Thank you, Michaela. That was a blessing, and uh, praise the Lord. And I wanted to give a shout out to her grandfather and grandmother who's watching uh, online, Fred, and I forgot his wife's name, but uh, uh, they wanted to hear their granddaughter sing, and they thought she was singing this morning, so they tuned in this morning as well. So we're glad about that, and it's good to see all of you here tonight. Thank you for coming back, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, I appreciate Pastor John and the opportunity that he's given me to stand in for him, and I also want to pray for him and you to pray for him. And uh, for his wife, Melissa, as uh, they uh, get ready for that travel home, I was talking about how the church uh, sent us to the mission field this morning, and I forgot the first trip that the church sent me on was to Romania. And there, are, there were 25 people saved as a result of that ministry that I know about. Uh, that was 1992, I think, 25 people saved on a Wednesday night in a little country church up in the middle of nowhere in Romania, and we, we had preached all week and saw nothing happen, and then God gave the increase, and so that has moved me through the years, and then, of course, going to Israel and other places than Myanmar recently. Um, I thank the Lord for it. I think I was down at Victory Baptist one time when I said, uh, God moved me to missions a long time ago. Uh, and I remember I was in a missions conference a long time ago. And it was when I was in Bible college, actually. It was a missions conference at Highland Park Baptist Church. And every night the challenge was called out to pray that God send forth laborers into the harvest field. And for us uh, who were in school there to surrender, to go and do whatever God would have us to go to do. If we didn't know God's will for our lives, to surrender. Surrender to missions. Surrender to go. And I remember thinking, if I surrender to go, the Lord will send me to China, I know. And <laughs> I didn't want to go to China. Well, when I went to Myanmar and I got there, I realized I was right below China. And But... It took me uh, three nights. I'm kind of stubborn. If you don't believe me, ask Susie. It took me three nights to finally give in and say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And uh, I, he has always been with me in all of the places, and I'm thankful for it. But do, again, thank you, Michaela. I remember, I think I was here. I don't know if I was here. Uh, when Sammy first sang, but early on, and I remember telling him uh, that one day he could be a song leader, and he just has gotten better and better and better, and Michaela, you're going to do the same. You did wonderful tonight, and uh, looking forward to hearing about how God uses you. Um, before I preach, let me just quickly uh, thank you for uh, supporting me and uh, our missions ministry in Myanmar. I don't know if how many of you, I don't even know if this letter got out to you, and I'm certainly not going to read the whole thing. 
uh, if it's posted anywhere or not. Uh, but I, the Lord allowed me to preach over 50 times somewhere last year and in some church last year. Uh, over 20 different churches I was in that I preached in, uh, as well as a Friday night meeting, Peace for Israel. Uh, I did uh, Zoom meetings in Myanmar. I did a series, a seven-week series on Barnabas. And uh, uh, also preached in Pakistan via Zoom, uh, a couple of Sunday school places. Uh, and so I'm thankful for that. Beginning in the fall, I started working with Padrone Ministry College. And so I'm doing the international work. I write for the newsletter. I uh, try to represent and raise money for our boys over in Myanmar who are preaching the gospel. And I'm so thankful for them, by the way, because when an American couldn't go there, now there were some American missionaries who stayed throughout the pandemic and throughout the coup, uh, but a lot just couldn't. They wouldn't have let uh, a lot of them. These men who are there and know the language and oh, what a language it is, I thank God for every missionary that goes but I'm thankful also to be able to help missionaries that are there. And so I appreciate your uh, support for that ministry. And we I mentioned we started the school in the fall, and uh, I'm the first mentor of the school. We have 20, I think, seven students. We're starting our second semester, and uh, uh, it's been a wonderful blessing. And many of the students that I have are in Africa, and they go to school on their phone. I don't know how they do it. I mean, they don't have a computer. Half the time, they don't have electricity or internet. And yet, they get on and they get their studies. They do their reading. Uh, they do their research. They keep up with their work. And all of them pass their first semester. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, four of them. And so I'm thankful for that. But they kept me busy. Just, uh, I had to learn about online. We call it a school without walls. Uh, and I had to learn how to do it myself. And uh, it's a challenge. But I appreciate your prayers for that ministry. And if you're interested uh, in uh, a school where you can learn Bible, I know that FBI is here. And uh, I would encourage you to do that. But uh, eventually this will be abroad, be teaching teachers and others uh, for ministry, and so I uh, hope you'll remember uh, to pray for us there. I'm thankful that Fred and his dear wife are able to watch online uh, tonight, and uh, I'll let you know that most of the time when I'm not able to be here, either that night or sometime during the week, I go back on and I listen to the services and I hear the singing, and I appreciate it uh, so very much. And in the last four times somebody spoke behind this pulpit, it's been a oh, Ramsey. I don't know if that's good or bad. Speck will break that trail Wednesday night and fix it up. Uh, he's going to be speaking, I believe, Wednesday night in the Bible study, and I know he'll do a good job for that. I am uh, reading and studying my way through the book of Numbers. Uh, I had read them numerous times, but I, I, I wanted to slow down and read it. And so what I did was take a chapter a day. I started January 1st, and today's the 20, what, 1st? 
I read the 21st chapter today, and uh, it amazed me again to think about the book of Numbers because it lays out the children of Israel's journey uh, from Egypt to the promised land or just up until they go into the promised land. And uh, the, uh, the, the name Numbers is very interesting how it describes what happened there. Some of, some of the reason that people have trouble reading Numbers is because they talk about a lot of Numbers in the early chapters there. And the 12 tribes of Israel and how they're set up and the tabernacle, how it's set up and how it was to be broken down and raised up and carried and all of those details tell us about our God, something wonderful and special about him. And I've just enjoyed uh, kind of wallowing in the book of Numbers. Part of the way through that process, I come to Numbers chapter 12. And I want to talk to you tonight about something that I'm calling sibling rivalry. Now, there's you might be surprised how many sibling rivalries are mentioned in the Bible. First one we could think about be Cain and Abel. Certainly that one didn't turn out real well, did it? But you could say it was a sibling rivalry. You know, Abel brought the right offering. Cain brought the wrong offering. Cain got mad about it. And Abel suffered the consequences for it. Sad, early on, that sibling conflict. And then you read on in the Bible and you come to Jacob and Esau again. Another sibling rivalry. Before they were even born, they were fighting. And they fought for a long time after they were born. Uh, and then there's Joseph and his brothers. And that whole conflict that God was sovereign in and uh, allowed them after throwing him in the pit for him to deliver them. And it's a wonderful story, but it's a sibling rivalry. And then David and his brothers. 1 Samuel 17, you know, David goes up there, little old young kid, don't know much, but he says, why ain't somebody taking the giant out? And his brother said, why don't you get back on over there with them few little sheep? You don't belong here. And so you had a conflict there. And I suspect that it continued a little while before David killed the giant. And then, uh, don't want to leave the girls out any, but how about uh, uh, Rachel and Leah? Now, I like that story. It's a strange story, but an interesting story. You know, uh, 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 Leah and Rachel and uh, uh, Jacob needed a bride, and he said, I want to work for Leah. No, I want to work for Rachel. I don't know how this all come down. The Bible didn't give us all the information, but I, I have a, a mind that's just imagination. Now, parents chose the spouses in those days. But you know daughters, they get their daddy wrapped around their little finger. And I can just imagine when Jacob made that request to have Rachel, but Leah said, now wait a minute, daddy. Now you know that I'm the oldest. And you know the oldest is supposed to get married first. And you know that I love that guy. He is, he's, what is the term, y'all? He's cool. He's the cat's meow. He's the man. 
I want him. You say, that ain't in the Bible. I know, but my imagination is going off now. And so time comes for him to have his honeymoon with his bride, and you know the story. Leah, he wakes up in the morning, and he don't have Rachel at his side. He has Leah. They were close in age and very similar in some ways. And he was willing to work for Rachel. But I just think about that story and a sibling rivalry there. And then, of course, there's Mary and Martha in the New Testament and siblings again and the conflicts that they had. Martha got mad at Mary because Mary wanted to worship, being at the feet of Jesus. Martha's in the kitchen, and you ladies know all about that. When you're in the kitchen and you want help, you want it. And Mary wasn't much interested in that and that conflict that ensued there. So there's a lot of these type of things. Have you ever thought about Moses, Aaron, and Miriam as a sibling conflict? Well, that's what I want to look at tonight. Let me read Numbers chapter 12 and, uh, and then share some thoughts. And Miriam... And Aaron, their brother and sister, spoke against Moses, another sibling. So we got three siblings here. Remember, Miriam was there when Moses was putting the, the water in Egypt, and she watched over him for his mother. That was what Miriam's responsibility was in that day, and had a vital role. But here it says they spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoke only by Moses? Hath not he spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. How were you? I'd underline that word, that phrase. Now the man Moses was very meek, above all men which were upon the face of the earth. I just think, again, I'm thinking. Moses wrote that under the inspiration of God about his meekness. And I'm thinking, that must have been hard for him to write down. He said, Lord, can I leave that out? No, put it in there. Put it in there. They need to know. Verse 4. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three under the tabernacle of the congregation, and they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud, stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant, Moses is not so. In other words, he's not a prophet. We might think he is, but he's not. Who is faithful in all my house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently uh, and not in dark speeches. In the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against the servant of uh, my servant Moses. The anger of the Lord was kindled against them, 
and he departed. And the, uh, the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. Behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, wherein we have sinned. You can underline that phrase. Let her uh, not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of a mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. The Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, now help me in the next few moments to share the thoughts you put on my heart and uh, challenge us with the principle of the Word of God that we might take it seriously and follow suit in our practice. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know a thing or two about siblings. I have four of them. One's in heaven. Uh, two around me now, Buck and Bonnie and Rand, uh, Buck, Bonnie and Randy and Buck's in Florida, my baby brother. Phillip's in heaven. I was the middle child of five. That's the one who makes all the noise because he's got to get attention some way, right? So you make a lot of noise. You get into a lot of trouble. I stayed in a lot of trouble. I would talk back. If any of y'all knew Marsh Ramsey, you know, I ought to have learned quick not to talk back to him, but I did. I was trouble. And, and we had these sibling rivalries. We had these little conflicts in the family. Bonnie was spoiled rotten. Uh, she, well, I don't know where she is, but uh, she must have heard what I was talking about tonight and Fred show up. But she, she was spoiled rotten. Randy can say amen to that. He don't want to because he's afraid I'll take up him next or something. But I, anyway, she was spoiled rotten. And me and Randy fought all the time. We were both about the same size, 15 months older than me. I was a little bit taller, and uh, he was probably a little bit stronger because he was older. We would fight. I remember one time in school, I think it was elementary school, they had a mat up on the stage. You remember that? And the PE teacher put us up there with a smile on his face and said, we're going to let them wrestle. We'd wrestled before. Arm wrestling, leg wrestling, you name it, we did it. None of us could get the better of each other until one of us got mad. And when one of us got mad, it was all over then. It was whatever, anyway, anyhow, knees, bottles, fists. It didn't matter. You just got to win. That's the way it was. Sibling rivalry. Normal in children. 
expected almost. Normal in teenagers. Some of you have teenagers. You have to deal with that. You treat them better than you do me. They got to go, but I don't get to go. Heard all those stories and raising four boys. Every one of them's different, aren't they? Well, one, you can't hardly let out of your sight. And the other one, you could send them off and you know they'll be right back. It's just the way they are. And you know these things. Sibling rivalries. Um, I was thinking about my brother, Philip. He was the oldest. And when he would go on his dates... Randy and I were his chaperones, not both of us, different times to be one than the other. Or if he wanted to go out somewhere, he's in heaven now, and I don't think he cares if I tell this story. If he does, what's he going to do about it, right? I remember I was with him one time, and we come back from somewhere, and he said, open that glove box there. There's a bottle of Listerine in there. Listerine. Usually you want the Listerine before you go on a date, not when you come back. He wanted to get the alcohol smell off his mouth or the cigarette smoke. I'm not sure which it was. But, I mean, we were there. There are stories we could tell that we can't tell. Things that we know that we don't, we, you know, there's some things you don't tell. Sibling relationships. Now, in this passage, Moses is the undisputed leader of the people of God, Israel. No question about it. I mean, they found it out uh, when they come out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea. They certainly found it out when he was up on the mountain and they were carrying on like a bunch of heathen down below and he broke the tablets and had to go back to the mountain. He's the undisputed leader of the nation. And yet, in this passage of Scripture, Miriam criticizes Moses. That's the first point, by the way, the criticism of Miriam. Now, I don't know all that she said, but she got Aaron off. I don't think Moses was there. Probably not. It's funny the things we'll say behind people's back we'd never say to their face. Matter of fact, if you can't say it to their face, you probably shouldn't say it behind their back, right? But they did. And sad to say, often we do. And it's a real problem. If you were to go to 1 Corinthians 10, this is pointed out as murmuring in 1 Corinthians 10 for our example. Criticism, it's a horrible thing. Uh, enduring criticism is part of the expectation of leadership. Shouldn't be that way. It oughtn't be that way, but it is that way. They're going to talk about you. They're going to talk negatively about you. It's one thing to say, man, wasn't that great? Another thing to say, why don't he shut up, you know? Criticism, talking about other people. And so here you got Moses and Aaron, or excuse me, Miriam and Aaron criticizing Moses. 
I don't know what was being said, but I know this much was being said. She criticized him for about his wife. You see that in verse 1? Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. It says, because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, you might think that this just all of a sudden happened and, and Moses, you know, just acted kind of weird and went out and got him a, a, an Ethiopian woman and brought her home and married her. No, they've been married a long time. And Miriam never got over it. There's some racism sprinkled in here. They are Jews. Uh, they didn't mingle with the outside world. There's some principles there. But early on, God allowed Moses to marry this woman. And so Miriam carried this inside of her. And it eated her all the time. Moses shouldn't have married that woman. I just, again, my imagination, you know, and I'm thinking, she had a spat with uh, Moses' wife. Moses' wife said something that she didn't like. And now she's got Aaron in the mix here, and she's saying, he should have never married that woman. <laughs> Criticism. You ain't never done that, have you? Hmm. Hmm. Racist, 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 racist. <laughs> the fourth time, maybe. Racist criticism. I hear it all the time. I, I, I do. Now, I know that everything that's called racism in our public world today and every individual that's called racist in our world today is not racism nor racist. I know that. Most of it's not. But if it bugs you when some white dude marries a black girl and it really gets all over you and gets in your crawl and bugs you and you just can't be around them, you might have a problem with racism. Because we Gentiles, I don't care if you're Filipino Gentile or African Gentile or what other kind of Gentile you want to call it, we're Gentiles. So there was racist criticism. But really, the bigger issue was rebellious criticism. Notice what they said. Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hasn't he spoken by us also? Who does Moses think that he is? I've had someone say that to my face. I give him credit for doing that instead of saying it to somebody else. Who do you think you are? and I was the pastor of the church, and I was leading in a direction they didn't like and didn't want. It wasn't unbiblical. Who do you think you are? That's Miriam saying that. God doesn't just speak by Moses. And so she criticized his leadership. Is that not a temptation? 
I'm going to tell you. I pastored for 35 years, and now I'm not in the pastor. And just about every week, I have to confess the sin of criticism in my heart. <laughs> I may not say it to someone, but I feel it. I sense it. I go to a church. I don't like the way they do it. I don't like the hymn book they sing out of. I don't like the Bible they use. Whatever the case may be, I don't like the direction. Something the preacher said I don't like. But I'm not pastoring that church. They are. And being a critic is not a call of God. God doesn't want his people to criticize. Now, the New Testament gives us guidelines for how to deal with conflict with leadership and conflict with one another. You remember Jesus told them, said, if you come to the altar uh, with a gift to worship the Lord and there he reminds you that there's something between you and another brother, what's he say? Leave it and go get it right. Oh, how many times we block out what God speaks to us about. Maybe even at the altar. Criticism. It's okay to go to someone and say, I want to apologize. I was critical of you. And they'll say, that's okay, brother or sister. I've been critical in my lifetime too. Have we not all been critical sometime in our life? It's a part of our fallen condition. But we as God's children are to tamp it down and as James said, control the tongue. Caution about criticism. Criticism breeds contempt. As I read this passage, I was working my way through numbers and I was counting all the numbers of the tribe of Judah and all these different tribes. Trying to get it in my mind how the tabernacle's fitting in there, how they're supposed to cover some tables with one color, purple, and cover some other table with another color, red, and what that might mean and all of that. And I'm rolling all that around in my mouth, and then I come to chapter 12 and verse 1, and it's like, ouch! Ouch! God, you're talking to me! I had to confess my criticalness. Whether it be verbal, by the way, if we think that we've usually said it, we not say it to anybody but our spouse. Oh, God bless the spouses. <laughs> the things they have to listen to. Thank God for them. Critical spirit. But I want you to notice in verse 2, it says, at the very end, and the Lord heard it. How about you, but they got all over me. Yeah, he heard me talk bad about Pastor John to my wife or in my spirit. He heard me. He wasn't happy about it. He heard me talk bad about, I don't know, somebody, anybody, a brother, a sister. He heard it. God hears. The, he's God. Of course he hears it. Nothing goes through your mind that he don't hear it. Much less what we say, he heard it. And he dealt with it. That's what we want to see as we continue here. 
But I, I like that, that I'm not going to dwell on the character of Moses. Now, the man Moses was very meek above all men, which are upon the face of the earth. And it's put right there. Here's what I think uh, Moses was going to do. He's going to do, say, ah, that's just Mary and I grew up with her. That's just Aaron and I grew up with him. They, they, they just do that sometimes. They'll, they'll forget about it. They'll get over it. It's okay. You know, I deserve some criticism. I messed up a few times. His humility and his meekness was going to allow him to overlook it. God help us to be like Moses. God help us to let it wash by and wash over us and forget about it. And in a moment's time, forgive. Just let it go. Let it go. As the old Disney thing said, let it go. Just let it go. See, sometimes we can let criticism get in our crawl. Oh, my. Are we above criticism? No. We're flawed. We messed up. Oh, I'm just glad they don't know everything about me. I'm just glad they don't know every thought that went through my mind. I'm just glad that there's a forgiveness in Christ. He heard it, but Moses didn't pay any attention to it. But God did. Real quickly, I want you to notice the cost of criticism. Getting to verse 4. There was a meeting. The Lord spake Moses, uh, to, suddenly unto Moses. Suddenly. And Aaron and Miriam. All right, guys, we're having a meeting. Oh, have you ever been called to one of them meetings? We're going to have a meeting. We're going to have a family meeting. Oh, by the way, the application of this is not just within your siblings, but we're all siblings in the family of God. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So we said we're going to have a meeting. Verse 5 says, The Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. Listen up, people. Listen to me. He's going to make one thing perfectly clear in these next few verses. I'm not going to read them again. We already read them. Moses is the man. Moses is the man. I'm going to talk to him face to face. He's the one that's responsible to me, and I am responsible to him, and when he tells you what I tell him to say, you do it. Understood? That's what he's saying there. You can read it again, but that's what he's saying. And so there's a message. And then there's anger. If you'll look at verse 9, it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. They made God mad by talking bad about Moses. Wow, 
That's powerful stuff, isn't it? That they made God mad because they said something about Moses. It angered him. And then there's the leprosy. The anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed, and a cloud departed from off the tabernacle. He just left. And it says, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. That's why I think Miriam was the one who was doing the criticizing. And that Aaron was the one who was like, no, Miriam, you ever been in this conversation? Well, I don't know that we ought to be doing this. I don't think we ought to talk about this. You really need to go talk to Moses. All of the things that you ought to do, I think probably Aaron did. But Miriam turned leprous. Leprosy was a horrible disease in that day, considered deadly. She thought she was going to die, and Aaron thought that she was going to die. And it says... Uh, and Aaron looked up upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us. Wherein we've done foolishly. We've sinned. I'm trying to get us to understand that a criticism is a horrible sin before God. We always like to think, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't run with those who do, especially that boy over there. He's just a bug. You know, I, I, I saw him at Walmart, and, and they had a bottle of wine in their buggy. They're heathen. They're awful. God heard you. Oh, my. Maybe they had a stomach problem. Did you ever think about that? Timothy took it for his stomach attack. Maybe they had a kidney problem. Do you ever think about that? I'm not here to defend that person or to justify that person. I'm just telling you how we are prone to do in the family of God. Stop it. Stop yourself. Restrain yourself. It'll be one of the hardest things you'll ever do. I know because I try to do it. It's hard, especially if you got a person who's with you, who enjoys it. That's when it's really hard, isn't it? Got any gossip? Can you tell me any news? What's happening? <laughs> Leprosy. You know, this is a New Testament principle that there is judgment on the people of God. At the Lord's Supper, you remember 1 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that always blows me away, 1 Corinthians 11. When the Lord said, some people are mistreating the Lord's Supper. They're not taking it seriously. They're partying instead of purifying. They're uh, not worshiping God. They're messing it up. Jesus said, or the scripture says, some of them sleep. Some of them are sick, and some of them sleep. Do you think it's possible that some of the people on our prayer list are there because of the spirit of criticism? 
we wouldn't put a list for that, would we? Criticizers. That'd be a long list, wouldn't it? It really would. But Miriam is leprous because of her criticizing. And then she's separated. Verse 14 tells us that the Lord said to Moses, take her out of the camp seven days at least. This is after Moses prayed for her. Now remember, she's been talking bad about Moses. And what does Moses do in this situation when Aaron says we've sinned? Moses prayed. He didn't say, get her out of my sight. He prayed. And God heard his prayer. And in seven days, she was allowed to come back. I wonder how many people are separated from the family of God, the flock of God, because they got a spirit of criticism in them. We know they're there. They're all over the church. They're not in the church. They're part of the family. They got critical. They didn't like what somebody did or what somebody said, and they're gone. They separated themselves from the camp, but God was in that. He's in control. It slowed the progress of the people of God. Verse 15 tells us they didn't journey until Miriam got back in the right place. I wonder how we might be slowing the progress of the church of God by our criticism. I had an individual call me one time. He had left the church. He was mad. And we tried to restore them. They were mad. I didn't do right. Always, a preacher never does right. He's not perfect, right? He's doing the best he can with what he's got. It ain't much, except he's got God in him. You won't believe this, but the guy called and he said, we'll come and take that stained glass window out that has my parents' name on it. I'll come by a certain day and we can get you out of our system. I said, we don't have a problem with you. And we don't have a problem with the window. We don't need you to come take it out. But that's what criticism does. It causes us to be separated from the family of God. I want you to consider, lastly, the, uh, the uh, compassion of the Lord, and I'll be done. Verse 11 says, And Aaron said to Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly, wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one of dead, of whom the flesh is half sun, consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said, and he went on to say, that she should be ashamed seven days. Let her be shut out from the camp seven days. And after that, let her be received again. You know, God is the forgiver. Jesus is our intercessor. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when we find ourselves in a place of a critical spirit, 
the first thing we need to do is confess it to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to have that kind of a critical spirit. It's better than the alternative. You say, does everybody get leprosy as critical? Well, aren't we glad that they don't? We'd all be scratching something, I imagine. <laughs> We'd be in bad shape. But he does chasten his children. Deal with the critical spirit. My oldest brother and I had conflicts through the years. And I said this morning, you have any regrets? I have some about my oldest brother. I was critical of him quite often. He lived away. He, he kind of wasn't a part of the family. It was a, a struggle to connect with him. He... he he had opinion and he'd share it with you every time he was around him. It was just a conflict. We loved him. I loved him. And when he got sick, I made, I don't know, Susie might remember, I think I made 12 trips inside of a year to Georgia. And I'll be honest with you, probably... Half of them was guilt trips. You ever been on one then? I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. I'm trying to be honest with you. And I can remember being with my brother in the latter days of his life and being able to repair the breaches. Now, that was hard. Uh, he always was in charge, and I remember one time we went to Walmart, and he said, turn here, and I said, there's two entrances, I'll turn up there. Turn right here. <laughs> okay, uh, turn right there. That was just his personality. Uh, Harry, he wasn't a military, well, he was a military guy. That's part of it. We'll give the military credit for it. But before he died, before I got that last call, we had Buried the hatchet and it wasn't in each other's backs. <laughs> All was well between us. He wasn't perfect and I wasn't either. Randy said I was just like him. That's Randy's problem, not mine. <laughs> He's got to deal with that one. <laughs> yeah, I called him one day. <laughs> and I said, Philip's driving me nuts. We were at the emergency room. And the doctor said, you can't eat anything. And he said, go up there and get me something to eat or I'll go get it myself. Y'all know, y'all dealt with this kind of stuff. And I called Randy just for consolation. Dogged if he didn't just kick me in the rear and say, get on back in there. You just like him. I needed to hear that. I appreciate that. Sometimes we need a kick in the rear. And if this is a kick in the rear for you tonight, I know that's not good preaching grammar, but take it for what it is and from who it comes. Confess the critical spirit that you have toward others and 
rebuke yourself every time because Satan and his emissaries will give you plenty of opportunities. Rebuke yourself every time it comes up and say, I'm not going to live in a spirit of criticism. Moses loved Miriam. Miriam loved Moses. Aaron, they all loved each other. They were all a lot alike. They just lived life. Sometimes they messed up. God help us. You know, I was going to, uh, I'm not going to sing, but I, I was look, thinking this afternoon about this song, and you know the chorus of it well. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And uh, for, for years, I've sung this song, just the chorus of it. But the words of it are powerful. It says, you will notice, and Bill Gaither wrote this song, he and his wife, you will notice that we say brother and sister round here. It's because we're a family and these folks are so near. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoice in each victory in this family so dear. From the door of an orphanage, Susie, to the house of the king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing, from rags under riches, from the weak to the strong. I'm worthy to be here. Praise God, I belong. You say, are you worthy to be here? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Why should we let you into heaven? Because Jesus said I could come and he's my savior and I'm his. Aren't you glad you're a part of the family of God and ain't the family of God an experience to live in this world? <laughs> Some of y'all been at this a long time. Family is God's institution. And the church is God's institution. Let's love one another. It breaks my heart. I, I could tell you, and I, I, I'm already late. I could tell you about parents separated from their children because of conflict. It breaks my heart. Every, I've seen them in church together at the same time, one in one corner and one in the other, never to speak. That's bad. Let's not let that happen in our spirit. And let's strive as much as life within us to live peaceably with all men and not have what Miriam suffered through. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your word. And I'm grateful that you speak to us through it. You catch us off guard sometimes with it. You jump all over us with it sometimes. But I'm glad that you warn us of a dangerous direction. And Lord, criticism is one of those. Help us, Father, to confess the sin of criticism. And while our heads are bowed, just a moment, I'm going to pause and just not say anything. And I, if you've got something you need to talk to the Lord about, you do it right there where you are. 
combat the spirit of criticism. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joined as with Jesus as I travel this hour. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Help us, Thank you for putting up with me today. Love y'all.